0: This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. All right, well, let's get to work with a brand new chapter. And so if you would look with me in James chapter 2, let's read verse number 1. Look at this. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now there's a comma. Let me stop here and say that if, and this is what uh, people tend to do, they only read half of scripture. They sometimes are busy trying to prove a point uh, that they go as far as to just grab a few words out of a passage of scripture, and in the process, they take it out of context. I'm going to mention that again in just a minute. And so here's the thing. If somebody just read half of James chapter 2 verse number 1 you think about it you'd have a serious problem because half of the verse says my brethren have not the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ now if you read half of it that's just it's it's contradictory to what we have been taught all of our life about faith in Christ because Everything that we know, everything that we've read, everything that we've studied, everything that we have heard preached or taught to us encourages us to have faith in Christ. The word teaches us to live by faith. The just shall live by faith. And so if you just take this scripture halfway and you say, well, preacher, do people really do that? Uh, Absolutely. People take scriptures halfway part of the way, uh, a lot of the way. It's important for us to take the scripture all of the way. And so I want you to look at it because if you only read half of this text, you have a real problem. And uh, it it means this, that if you only read half of a passage of scripture, uh, you can only comprehend a portion of it and you have a very serious risk and high probability of taking the entire text out of context. And so when I read a passage of scripture like this, and we get to this place, this is one of the verses that you have to read it all. And I would say that that should be the way that you read the scripture anyway, that you read it in its entirety. And when you do not read all of the word of God, again, you can take the passage of scripture. In fact, you will take the passage of scripture completely out of context. And uh, but that's one of the problems that calvinists have they They only take portions of the Word of God, try to tie a knot on a doctrine, but you can't do that. you've got to read passages before it. you've got to read the the text in which was present and then the things to follow and that's how you honestly, truly, carefully study the Word of God. all right, so look at this verse again. The Bible says. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ with the comma there, the Lord of glory and he surely is the Lord of glory. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Now look at this. With respect of persons, that is what the entire verse is talking about. It's talking about have not the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ with respect to persons. Now, I want to spend a little time with this tonight because that's talking about how that we as born-again believers ought not to look at other people, no matter who they are, with partiality or discrimination. Now, that's a passage for the times in which we live right now seems like everybody's talking about that subject. And uh, it's it's timely because James chapter 2 is one of those passages in the Bible that deals exclusively with the subject, with the tone of what's going on in our country today. And so I I want to reemphasize this. The Holy Spirit is moving James to write And he is saying this, if you claim to have faith in Christ, the Lord of glory, then you should look at everybody as an individual without partiality and without discrimination. And in fact, I'm going to give you three other Bible references tonight, which the Bible Uh, is filled with this subject, and uh, I could give you many others. But for the sake of time tonight, I want you to turn with me to the book of Romans. And let's turn there together, the book of Romans. And I want you to look with me tonight in Romans chapter 2. And I want to read for you tonight verses 1 through 11. Romans chapter 2, and I want to read verses 1 through 11. Now, what are we talking about? Okay, stay fresh with this in the beginning of our study tonight. Brand new chapter, brand new subject. All right, look at this. James chapter Romans chapter two, verse number one. Therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man. Whosoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same things. Look at this. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. And thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them, which do such things and doeth the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? But after thy hardness, and impotent, notice this, heart treasureth up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds, to them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality eternal life. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the jew first and also of the gentile but glory honor and peace to every man that worketh good to the jew first and also to the greek or the gentile for look at verse number 11 this is what we're talking about in James chapter 2 verse number 1 it's the same thing written here in Romans 2 verse 11 for there is no respect of persons with God. Understand this. No one should be looked at with partiality and discrimination. James chapter 2 verse number 1 is probably one of the best chapters in the Bible on that subject. But also we find where Paul reiterates that here. Look at this. For there is no respect of persons with God. All right? Now I want us to look at Ephesians chapter 6. Can you find that place with me just for a moment here? Ephesians chapter 6. And I want you to look at this in verse number 9. Ephesians 6 and verse number 9. The Bible says, And the masters do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven. Neither is there respect of persons with him. Now, again, I want to reemphasize that the Bible is perfectly clear on this subject. Again, these verses that we're using as Sub-verses to our cornerstone tonight, James chapter 2 and verse number 1, is very important. And I want you to see one more. We could give you others, but let's let's look at one more uh, this evening. Go back with me to Matthew chapter 22. And in Matthew chapter 22, I want you to notice with me in verse number 16. The Bible says, and they sent out unto him their disciples... With the Herodians saying, Master, we know that thou art true and teachest the way of God in truth. Look at this. Neither carest thou for any man, for thou regardest not the person of men. So I want you to think about this. When we go back to James chapter 2, that's what this verse is all about in verse number 1 the lord of glory with respect to persons notice that have not the faith of our lord jesus christ the lord of glory with respect of persons jesus never ever looked at a person because of his nationality because of where they were born because of what they did, who they were. Listen, when Jesus came to the woman at the well, she was a Samaritan woman. And the Jews and the Samaritans never really got along. But Jesus did not look at the barrier between the Jews and the Samaritans. Jesus didn't see this woman as as a Samaritan. He saw this woman as a soul. Jesus never was concerned about being partial, he came unto his own and his own received him not. And therefore he took the glorious gospel to the Gentiles. He made a way, he made it possible for us to be part of his family as well. So you think about this. He didn't care about the woman who was found in adultery. What he cared about was the woman who had been found in that sin who had a soul who needed him. So again, I want to spend a little time here tonight with this because this is of such importance. Let me ask you the question, what color is a soul? Think about that question. In the world that we live today, there's a lot going on about Different subjects of the color of a man's skin or where he's from or what he does. Let me first say this that no man, no matter who that person is, ought to be brutalized by the government, by civil laws, should not be discriminated. Any man. I, I I believe that every soul matters. And it doesn't matter who that individual is. Listen carefully, every human being has a soul for which Jesus died for on the cross. He didn't die for colors, he died for souls. So understand this, every person, no matter who they are, what they are, where they're from, what they do, every person matters, every person. Every person ought to be treated fairly, equally. Every person ought to be looked upon as a soul who needs Jesus, as a soul who can extend Jesus to others. And so listen carefully. These passages of scripture that we're reading, and I'm glad we're here. I'm glad we're talking about this tonight. And I knew that when we got into James chapter 2, it would give me an opportunity to say some very needful things. Now, I do believe this with all of my heart. I believe according to the scripture, just as with God there's no respecters of persons, God's word also teaches us to love one another. The word of God also says, blessed are the peacemakers. The word of God also says to obey the laws of the land. So listen carefully. With all of the problems and the friction and the tension that we have in in America today, anarchy is not the answer. And it would never ever be condoned of Jesus Christ to to go down the streets and sidewalks and cities of the land and tearing up somebody's property and burning somebody's business to the ground and throwing rocks and listen, I believe in peaceful demonstrations and protests. But there's a right way and a wrong way to do it. It's it's never right to do wrong to anybody. Two wrongs never make a right. We all know the difference between right and wrong. And there are ways, there are ways that are humane. There are ways that are embedded in constructive uh, procedures. We, we don't have to be tyrants and we don't have to be hostile especially as Christians, because listen, Christ has called us out of darkness. The word of God says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. old things are passed away. And so when we become born again Christians, listen, we've got to let people see Jesus in us. Do you remember when Jesus was on the cross and he was being crucified? Do you remember what he said one of the things that he said on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. In fact, if you remember the stoning of Stephen, that's exactly what he said when he was being murdered for his faith. He said, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And so I believe that there are ways, constructive, productive ways that we can let our grievances be known, our, our feelings to be known, things that we would like to see changed in our land. There, there are ways to do that. We, we don't have to be destructive. Destruction is divisive. I don't know how in the world people think that that brings things together. It certainly does not. And I'm totally against anarchy. But I'm totally for this. Every man is an equal. According to the word of God, none of us should ever look down upon another individual for any reason. We should not look at anybody with partiality. We should not look at anybody with discrimination. We are all created in the image of God. Every last one of us. And every last one of us have a soul that's headed for somewhere. We're either going to heaven or hell. All of us have a responsibility to respond to the cross, to respond to the blood. But it's never right. It's never good. It's never Bible, it's never Christian to discriminate against anyone. Again, these scriptures in James chapter 2, verse 1 teaches that, Romans 2, verses number 1 through 11, Ephesians 6, verse 9, and Matthew 22, verse number 16. Listen, I want you to know something, that the Bible is perfectly clear. It's not about the color of a person's skin. It's not about the size of his bank account. It's not about the numbers of degrees that a person has obtained in this world or the type of work that they do. None of that motivates God. None of that. Absolutely none of that. He loves every single one of us the same. Can somebody say amen? For God so loved the world. Not just certain colors of people of the world. Listen, for God so loved the world. He loved everybody, every human being. God so loved the world. He loved us all the same that he sent his only begotten son, not to die for a few of us and some of us and most of us, but God so loved the world that he sent Jesus, his son, to die on a cross for every last one of us. Somebody say amen. That includes all of us. All of us have an opportunity to go to heaven. All of us have an opportunity to spend eternity with the Lord Jesus. He loves all of us the same. And the word of God is clear that we should not exclude people. We should not be partial to people. We should not discriminate against people. The Bible has made it clear. We are all a soul for whom Christ died in the eyes of God. Somebody needs to say amen right here. All right, now let's move on to verse number two. James chapter two and verse number two. For if there come, the subject doesn't end, by the way. James is not going to let it go. He said, for if there come unto your assembly, in other words, if somebody came into the church, notice this, a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment. Look at this. We're going to use a couple of these scriptures back to back tonight in verse 3. And ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing. And say unto him, sit thou here in a good place and say to the poor, stand thou there or sit here under my footstool. Now let's talk about this just for a minute because James is giving us three illustrations in verse number two. He's talking about a man with a gold ring. He was saying this, that if a person comes into your church who is very well-dressed, they they have the finest of clothes, maybe they have beautiful jewelry on, they 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 look like they've been on the cover of a magazine or something. They're very well dressed. And then a poor man comes in, and he's not as dressed as maybe that individual or some of those individuals. Maybe even he's very poorly dressed. James was teaching us this. Notice verse number 4. Are you not then partial in yourselves and are become judges of evil thoughts? James was teaching this, that when we come together, he's using the illustration now. It's not exclusive. This could be pertaining to anywhere, but he's talking primarily now about the church, the assembly. When people come into church, and maybe there are some people that are are, are dressed to the hilt, and maybe there are some people that uh, are not. And I want to comment on that in just a minute, but look at this. He's saying, James is saying, that no matter how people come into the house of God into the assembly, that we should welcome everybody just the same. And that's one of the things that I would say probably in the last two years, maybe three years, that uh, I used to wear a tie every time I preached. I don't do that anymore. Some do, and that's fine. You guys look, those of you that wear them, to God be the glory, you look great. But I'm noticing a lot of people don't. And I want people, when they come in here, to see that it's okay. It's okay, just as you are. You come. I like that old song, it says, Just As I Am. I like this thought here that if we take Jesus just as he is, he will take me and you just as we are. And so I would rather people come to church feeling comfortable than feeling like they've got to measure up to some type of standard. I think there ought to be organization to what we do, and I think there ought to be uh, the element of presenting ourselves respectful to one another and that sort of thing. But listen, I'm totally not into this thing about trying to be better than another. I want people to come into our church and I want them to sit in our pews. I want them to listen to our music and to hear the preaching, the teaching of the word of God and feel like that they are welcomed and loved and appreciated no matter what they have on, no matter who they are, no matter what color their skin is, no matter what their background is, no matter what occupation they have. It doesn't matter about their finances. Listen carefully. It's about the soul. And if we are harboring anything in our hearts or heads about any of that other stuff, then we're missing the mark. We're certainly missing what the Word of God is teaching. We should not show preference. And that's what James is teaching. So I want to reread verse 3 and 4. Look at this. And do ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, standest thou there or sit here under my footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourselves and are become judges of evil thoughts? I remember many years ago someone telling this story. And I have never forgot it. And I have even used it here in the church in a few sermons of illustration. But I remember many years ago being told the story how there was a little boy whose name was Johnny. And Johnny was dirt poor. He lived and was raised uh, in an old Midwestern town. And he grew up across the street from a farmer who primarily raised potatoes. He grew potatoes for a living. Johnny lived across the street from the farmer and always somehow at some point in the day would make his way over to the farmer's farm. And he would help him with his potatoes. And Johnny had, it was in the days... 1920s, I believe the story was told, and Johnny had only one set of overalls to his name. He had an old raggy T-shirt, and his mother, at the end of the day after working in the dirt with his farmer, his mother would take his his clothes and she would put them on the old washboard. You remember that? She'd hang them out on the line. He'd put them on the next morning. He'd go back over there and he'd. Helped the farmer again. The farmer was well up in age and was getting ready to retire, so to speak. He was going to sell his farm. Him and Johnny became very good friends. The old farmer was a Christian. He went to the old country church, pretty much the only church in the community. And as he was in the transition of selling his farm and retiring, he would always talk to Johnny in the past about the Lord and about church and so to speak. And on the day that he was actually leaving the farm, him and Johnny sat down on the porch and the old farmer looked into Johnny's eyes and he said, Johnny, I want you to make me a promise. I'm not going to be around. And I want you to make me a promise that you'll at least go to church one time. And he said, "Oh, I I don't go to church. My mama and daddy don't go to church. And he said, I know that. He said, but I want you to promise me that you'll do that. And it took a little while. You might know somebody like that yourself. You've been working on somebody for quite some time, and they give you whatever reason under the sun why they don't go. But you keep on doing it. You keep on working it. You keep on praying about it because you'll never know when that time, that transition will take place. And so the farmer was talking to Johnny on the porch and Johnny said, okay. And the old farmer said, do you promise me? He said, I promise. And so the farmer pulled out and Johnny got to thinking about that promise he made. And so he went home he had his mama wash really the only set of clothes he had, and his T-shirt had holes in it. His jeans were raggedy. He grew up most of his running around times of day, daylight, barefooted. And he told his mama this. He said, I promised the man I'd go to church one time. He said, I want you to wash my clothes extra good. So his mama did that, and he put his clothes on. He started down to that little church house, and when he got there, there was a deacon of the church standing out on the front porch, and Johnny was happy because he had made the promise to the farmer. He was happy because it was a new experience for him. He'd never been to church before. And so he was skipping down the road. He was making the promise. He was fulfilling the promise. And when he gets to the church, he's walking up the steps of the church and there's this deacon standing out on the porch. And the deacon looked at him and stopped him and said, what are you doing? And Johnny said, well, I'm coming to church. I promised the neighbor that I would come And that deacon looked at him and said, but you cannot come into the house of God looking like this. You got holes in your t-shirt, you're barefooted, this is the house of God. Johnny didn't know what to do, didn't know how to take that. He stood there for a few moments, almost paralyzed. And the deacon really dressed him down. You ought to wear this when you come to the house of God. You ought to look like this when you come to the house of God. And little Johnny started crying. He said, but I promised the neighbor I'd come. That deacon said, you can't come in here looking like that. And so little Johnny turned around on that church porch, walked down those steps, and walked back to his house crying. And little Johnny grew up to be John Dillinger, shot up the West, and if he didn't trust Christ as his Savior, died and went to hell. God forbid that we would have anybody looking down on anybody because of who they were, what color their skin was, what kind of clothes they had on. I'm telling you right now, and I want people to know near and far, that the doors of our church are open to the world. And it doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you're going through, what your background is. It doesn't matter. What matters is this. God so loved the world for all of us that he gave his only begotten son and whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Somebody say amen. We are a lighthouse for Jesus. This is not a hotel for saints. This is a spiritual hospital for sinners. And we are all equal in the sight, in the eyes of God, every last one of us. Now look at verse number four again. Are ye not then partial in yourselves and are become judges of evil thoughts? You know, one of the best spiritual truths that you can hang on to with this particular subject tonight, the scriptures that we're going over is this. And and if you... Don't get anything out of what we've studied tonight. I want you to write down this spiritual truth. If a person is a Christian, listen carefully, and we're talking about everybody as an individual, but out of, out of the sea of humanity, if a person is a Christian, then Christ lives in him. When we trusted Christ as our personal Savior, he came in. The word says this in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, notice this, and open the door, Jesus said, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. When we trusted Christ as our Savior, Jesus Christ came in. And so if a person is a Christian, then Christ lives in him. But if a person is not a Christian, then we need to remember that Christ died for them. So it's one thing or one way or one or the other. Listen carefully. If a person is a Christian, then Christ is living in them. If a person is not a Christian, then we need to remember that that's an individual whom Christ died for. Christ died for them. Nothing that a person has or is makes a person a better person than someone else. I'm talking about from a soul perspective. Now look at this, verse number five. Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him? Well, he certainly has. All of the apostles, every last one of them were poor, even to some degree Luke the physician, Matthew the tax collector. Most of these guys were fishermen. Paul was a tent maker. But I remind you, even Jesus himself became poor. Pause here for a minute, and I want you to see a passage in Second Corinthians chapter eight, verse number nine. This is important. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 9. The Bible says, For ye you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes, our sakes, he became poor, that through his poverty we might be rich. Now you think about this. As a Christian, A person might be poor outwardly, but they're a child of the king. They are rich inwardly. Now, I want to read verse number six, and this will probably be a good place to end the study tonight. James says. But ye have despised the poor. You see, what you have to get in this whole chapter thus far, chapter 2, verses 1 through 6, is that James is not letting the subject go. The whole subject matter is how we ought to treat one another and how we ought to treat people that are different from us. James is is going the second and third mile exclusively teaching that there should be no partialities among us. There should be no discriminations among us. Look at this in verse 6. But ye have despised the poor. Evidently things were going on that were not pleasing to the Lord. He said, ye have despised the poor. He said, do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? So... In this passage, James is struggling to move forward to another subject. Snobbery, it seems, had reached epidemic proportions in the Jerusalem church. And this was a very sore spot with him. James is rebuking this. James is dealing with it head on. He is saying, listen, the message is that we should all be treated fairly. We should all be treated equally. We should all be treated the same. Well, that's true. And I want to end our Bible study here tonight with that subject. Every one of us has a soul. And that soul matters to God enough that He sent Jesus to die for it. And so let me clearly say this tonight. Doesn't matter who we are, all souls matter. People will either spend eternity in hell or eternity in heaven. There is no purgatory. There is no halfway house. The word of God makes it clear one or the other. And here's the thing. I didn't write the book. It's either heaven or hell, and only you can decide. God doesn't send rich people to heaven and poor people to hell. Whosoever will may come to the cross. Whosoever will may come to the well of grace. Well, in the times that we live right now, I pray this study's mattered to you. James chapter two is one of the most powerful Text and passages in all of the Bible on the subject that deals with the times that we live in today. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at Buford Road Baptist